Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Mind Your P's and Q's. My name is Parker, and this is my buddy Quentin. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is where we uh, talk about life, the world, culture, and everything in between. I think I <laughs> the had world, extra... culture, and everything in between. This is where maybe? we talk about the world, culture, and everything in between. Anyways, uh, how's what's going on in the world of Q this week? What's going on? How's things been? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm very excited about this week because today is Tuesday, the 24th. So in two days is Thanksgiving. It's a weird Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving nonetheless. So that means tomorrow, Wednesday the 25th, is the last day of work for me until Monday the 30th when I get paid. So it's going to be a nice long weekend and I'm going to get paid. So I'm doing well and I'm going to sleep a lot. That's good. That's good. <laughs> How are you doing, Parker? How is Planet Parker rotating right now? Dude, it's it's going well. Again, just like you, tomorrow is basically my Friday. So got a nice four day weekend ahead of me, which will be fun. And uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this whole week you've been working from home too. This is your first week whole working from home. Uh no, just today I worked from home. I've I've been like alternating uh going in and out of the office, so So you hear anything cool this week? Anything cool happen in in the world that you're aware of? So this isn't as much a <laughs> modern event or anything, but my dad and I were talking the other day and he was telling me about a book he was reading that I thought would really interest you, so I wanted to bring it up. Sure. And it is called The Island of the Lost. I don't know if you have you ever heard of it? No, I have not. So it's actually about, um, it was back in like the late 1800s, there was a ship with four guys on it and it crashed on this island uh, like out near like, I want to say New Zealand. Mm -hmm. They crashed and what they did was they ended up creating like their own cabin, their own forgery and and surviving on this island. And they followed the captain. They made a vote on who was going to be in charge because since they're no longer on the ship captain's not in charge really but they ended up voting on who was going to be the captain things like that and uh these four guys lived on this island which is supposed to have pretty rough conditions for two years on the opposite side of this island it was a pretty large island there was actually another shipwreck at the same time simultaneous shipwrecks right and uh it's based on a true story too and the ship was of 19 men and uh that ship they uh, they were very unorganized. They didn't really want to follow the captain after they landed. There was like a few guys that were a little bit more, I guess, survival savvy. They were all like a little bit better at surviving. And, uh, and so at this, and they all split up. They were like splitting into different groups and stuff. And by the end, only three of them survived. Um, but what the, the group of four ended up making it off the island and everything. They had no idea that they were on opposite sides of this island at the same time. So, wow. Yeah, did, kinda, so did they, did they ever meet up? I don't think they ever met. No. I, I mean, I'm sure they did later in life or something, but as far as I know, at least while they were on the island, I don't think the, the two groups came together. I don't know the whole story because I didn't read the book yet, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it would be an interesting read for you to check out. I know you like those kinds of books. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. That's great. Well, I love those type of stories, too. I love pirates, too. Yeah, pirates and, um, are cool. When was this book written? I'm curious. Uh, so let me see. It looks like the book was written... <laughs> not yet. It's not Netflix news yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, t I'm looking it up. 
was published in 2007. And what's it titled again? Island of the Lost. Island of the Lost. So these two... Uh, it just had two ships. So really, two yes. ships in the 1700s mm-hmm. crashed almost simultaneously on this deserted island. Late 1800s, but yeah. Late 1800s on the separate parts of the island, and they they never knew it. Yeah. They they never well think about how large an island could be crazy. And, create... and they both survived. At least one of them, one of the parties survived for two years. Uh, yeah, they survived. So the main group that is the I guess like the base of the story was four. It was four men. It was a captain and three shipmates. Uh, they survived the two years and all of them survived and got off the island successfully. The other group was nineteen men. Yeah. So, over four times as many people, almost five times as many people, and only three survived. Because And they a lot of them turned to, like, cannibalism, eating the other people. They split into different groups, things like that, in order to try and survive. But it's because only, like, a couple of them had, like, survival skills. And instead of, like, forming a group and, like, gr- like joining under one, like, solid, like, leader, like, the, the group of four followed the captain, and the captain was in charge, and they made plans, they voted, they... You know what I mean? Like, they, they had a solid plan of action versus the group of 19 that were, like, kind of disorganized and, like, completely... I mean, they died, essentially. Only three of them survived at the end, so... That's just, uh, really, it's just a great human parable for society and how important society is. Society is the most important development in human history, in my opinion. Yeah. Because if you think about it, without society, you have no cooperation. Without society, you don't have, you don't have somebody to uh, call if your house catches on fire. Because of society, you can drive down the street and you can buy pretty much anything you want at a store because of society we're able to intermingle and interact with different cultures and discover different ideas as well as different forms of expression like different i don't know movies and different forms of art whatever whatever you want to attach to that but without society we wouldn't have all these great things without cooperation and uh, i think that's a really important story for especially right now and how everybody seems to be so divisive. You know, to, today's times seem to be more divisive than ever. Yeah, but, but, I mean, look at the group that was very divisive when they split up. So many, like, so fewer of them. Exactly. Percentage-wise. While survived. the others that cooperated lived. Yeah. While, albeit, they, they had... I guess you could say resource-wise they had better odds since they were smaller however, because they could gather more resources and use those resources for a more prolonged period of time. But you also have to think about with 19 people, if they had organized and done things in a similar manner, right. but all 19 of them survived and like had better odds because there's more people yeah. to gather food. You have more people to gather If the island food. was so large that they couldn't ever meet, if they never found each other... I mean, if you were on the island for two years, I'd imagine you'd at least explore it. Yeah. Also, think about um, if that group of 19 split into five groups of four or whatever. I mean, obviously, one group of three, five, like four groups of four, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it'd, it'd be the exact same situation five times or six times or whatever and on the same island. And the odds sim- like were similar. I mean, similar time similar situation just more people but 
I really think it was the the structure of it more than it was the numbers that affected how many people died. So right, yeah. I mean, well, that's that's an incredible story either way. Yeah. What about you? You hear anything interesting this week? Well, it's funny that you brought up the eighteen uh, hundreds crash on a deserted island because I wanted to talk about one of my favorite pirates that you've never heard of. That it was actually the most successful pirate ever and was, operated in the late 1700s and early 1800s go ahead yeah what was their name oh can you tell me i don't remember her name <laughs> but i her I name was uh cheng yi or okay. sheng yi i think i've actually heard about her but yeah continue yeah. so sheng yi uh she was argued well i mean it's pre i think you can say that she was the most successful pirate in history so she started off her life as a prostitute Right. And she ended up becoming attached to a Chinese, a famous Chinese pirate that had his own fleet of ships, albeit it was three or four ships at the time. It wasn't that many, but he was still seen as a very powerful Chinese uh, pirate captain. And he eventually fell in love with this woman. She changed her name to Sheng Yi. I can't remember her exact name, and honestly, I can't quite pronounce her <laughs> her uh, dying name, so I don't want to try to pronounce her original name. But anyways, this famous captain fell in love with this Chinese with this prostitute, and then when he died, according to their pirate lifestyle and their traditions, whoever was the uh, spouse or the the widow whether it be the man or the woman, was the one that inherited everything as well as the boat and the ship, right? Because they couldn't afford any sort of traditional partition that you would see at that time period. So, in this case, when the wife of this famous Chinese pirate died, she got everything. And she even got the support of the pirate, the Captain Pirate's son, his adopted son, not his actual son, and also not her son. And this plays in later in her life in an interesting way. But they supported each other, so she ended up taking control of this fleet of ships. And they raided and ransacked all throughout the the uh, Pacific, or at least the Chinese Sea, whatever that ocean is. And she eventually amassed an armada of over 200 ships. And she even defeated the British once in a battle in which she was outnumbered like at least three to one. She she defeated the British, which wow. was unheard of at that time. Yeah. You didn't defeat the. Not only did the British have arguably the most powerful army at, in the world at that time, for hundreds of years they had the most powerful navy in the world. Even when they defeated us, they still had the most powerful navy. But anyways, when they this, defeated us, when they def, or, I'm so sorry. When we defeated when them. When we defeated them. <laughs> Get it right. But, well, they did defeat us in the, world, in the War of 1812. In the War of 1812. Technically. Which, in the War of 1812, right beside the Korean War, the two forgotten wars in American history, because they're, they're not looked win. back very well. Yeah. But I digress. When she finally had this huge armada, she, she sued for peace. Which, basically, she wanted to retire. She didn't want to do the pirate life anymore. She could see it coming to an end, because she was also getting older. So, 
she sent a list of demands to the emperor at the time of China, and she said, I want all of this. I want all of my, I think it was over 19,000 soldiers. It might have been over 12,000. It was either 19,000 or 12,000 pirates. I want all of them to be pardoned. I want them to keep all of their goods. I also want to be set up in a nice palace with a pardon. And I also want the future navy of China, which was being developed at that time, to help be formed by my pirates. That way they have a livelihood for not only themselves, but their their children and their children's children. Because at that time in history, serving in the military was distinguished. You know, be, being in the uh, Asian military history overall is one of a pretty distinguished history. So it was, it was better to be in the military than be a farmer. You know, so these, she basically wanted to be set for life as well as all of her pirates. And the Chinese emperor said, uh, no, dude, screw that. You did all this damage. Somebody has to go down for it. So then she attacked all the cities in closest to the Yellow River, I believe it is, which is the, the largest river in China. I might be mixing it up, but she attacked all the cities closest there until the emperor finally said, okay, okay, we've had enough. You can get everything you want. So after she got everything, she surrendered her, uh, 200 ships, her, thousands of pirates all got pardons and eventually formed the Chinese Navy. And she settled down and retired, started up her own legitimate businesses with her ill-gotten gains, and she eventually married her husband, her dead husband's adopted son. Wow. Yeah. Long story, but very, very interesting lady. That is very interesting. And debatably, I don't know my pirate history, but debatably the most successful pirate in history. And not even like a traditional um, traditional Caribbean style, you know, Blackbeard or stereotypical Captain Jack Sparrow type pirate. A former Chinese prostitute lady who became like so powerful the Chinese nation had to yield to her. I love, like, a really good underdog story, so that was... Everybody loves a good underdog story. Yeah. They should make a movie about her. I'm amazed that they haven't made a movie about her. Or a TV show. Maybe we should pitch it. We should pitch it. Don't steal our ideas, people. (laughs) Well, speaking of empowering women, so I thought this was interesting. The new Wonder Woman movie is going to be released on HBO Max. Really? Which is, I think, uh, that's an... I'm not sure. I may be wrong, but... I think that's an interesting precedent because there have been movies that were scheduled to be released in theaters, then went like pay-per-view essentially, like Mulan, Yeah, which was, I think, a terrible idea. Not only well, was it a bad movie, that was a, they, that was a completely different situation because they, they charged their already paying viewers more money... And not just like a small sum of money, a, a lot more. I think it was like $20 just to view it. And that wasn't even including buying it. So that's that's what I'm saying. This is setting a good precedent because the most recent example of a movie that was supposed to be in theaters, like a big blossom a big blockbuster like a movie that was expected to make a lot of money like there were some bad movies that you could predict like Artemis Fowl for example that was I'm a big Artemis Fowl fan I wanted that to be a good movie but I can tell you just from the previews it looked terrible yeah and that went straight that went straight to Disney Plus without 
you, you having to purchase it. Mulan had hundreds of millions of dollars invested into the production, right? Mm-hmm. So Disney already losing a bunch of money because their parks are closing. They probably wanted uh, more money. Uh, they, they just wanted more profit. Yeah. So that's why they charge that $30. So it's cool that Wonder Woman, which has hundreds of millions of dollars behind it probably, is going straight to HBO. Yeah. Which I have HBO, so that's cool for me. I think everybody should have HBO. I think there's some good packages to get HBO too. Really? There's like, a, I was telling you earlier in the week, I was looking at uh, watching a movie on HBO and I was like, dang it, need HBO, so I'm going to have to borrow your HBO to Yeah, watch. if you want my HBO password. Yeah. Speaking of uh, of streaming services, let's go on and uh, cycle on into Netflix news. So uh, this is something that we both we already know what we're going to talk about here because we both had it as, as an idea. We were going to talk yeah. about it earlier, but they already in the one week that we've been or two weeks or however long it's been since we last recorded. Uh, in that time frame, have taken the Chappelle show off of Netflix, which we just said was on Netflix. That's crazy. So, um, yeah, I was reading the article about it, though, and uh, he actually has no hard feelings towards Netflix. I think it was more just he doesn't – he's kind of upset about the, the whole show in general. Uh, at least that's what I gathered. From where? So so he was – he pretty much said he never made any real money off of the Chappelle show. I think he actually, and this this could be wrong, but I think he was a little more salty at the fact that whenever he made the show, he signed a contract with uh, with Comedy Central, basically like giving up rights to the show. He walked away making no money from it, and then they just keep selling it and making money and whatever. And so the crazy thing about it is I'm pretty sure they got the rights from Netflix to put the Chappelle show on on. Or they got the rights from Comedy Central to put the Chevelle show on Netflix. Uh, and then Dave actually talked to Netflix because he's got a good relationship with them and, and just explained to them like the situation, how he felt about it. And Netflix came back and was like, hey, yeah, we'll take it down. And that's cool. That's that super cool. cool yeah, that was very cool. And that, that was what I gathered from the article, at least, uh, when I was reading it earlier. And it's just kind of crazy that you have somebody – that made this work of art essentially and got nothing from it and had nothing to show from it. It's kind of like with, uh, with music when I think we've talked about this before, but with like the Beatles, when they created all this music and then all of a sudden the record company sold it out, people were buying Beatles songs, the rights to these Beatles, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson bought a ton of them. Yeah, man. And the next thing you know, they weren't even able to like perform their own songs or make money off their own songs because other people were buying it and the rights to your music is up for sale and stuff like that happens all the time because of contracts that you're signing. Yeah, it's just crazy. I'm looking at quotes right now. So Dave Chappelle, I guess he did a video on Insta. I need to follow him on Instagram. I never use my social media, but I need to follow him on Instagram because he put out a video titled Unforgiven. And one of the quotes was that he felt like he had been given a quote, raw deal, unquote. And that because of it, it it, it was going to make him difficult to replicate the show, which makes sense. Because if if he basically signed over the rights for the Chappelle show, like, hey, Take this show, call the Chappelle show, do whatever you want with it. 
what's he going to do? Is he going to start a show called The Dave Show and, and then expect the same, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he literally signed his name over. And another quote was, um, in relation to, he said, I quote, if I do, I can't call it Chappelle Show because my name and likeness is being used by them, as in Comedy Central, in perpetuity throughout the universe. It's in the contract, unquote. So he, li- they literally have his name. Yeah. How, you know, I'm a, I'm going to get a little sensitive, but how incredibly ironic is that? This cutting edge comedian, this black man who got a Tom Sawyer award in recognition to what he's given to the world and especially the world of comedy. This, this man cannot use his own name to profit off of a, off of a new intellectual property. Yeah. His name is owned by by someone else. How crazy is that? How incredibly... Well, dude, dude, things like that happen all the time. I mean, uh, yeah, but it's just crazy that in 2020, that's, that's, that's happening to probably happen. the most famous black man in the world right now. That's happening to him. His name is owned by someone else. That's, fu- that's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, have you ever... Uh, did you know... Surreal. That's surreal. Yeah. You know John Fogarty? CCR? Yeah! Yeah. I love John Fogarty. Dude, same kind of thing happened to uh, CCR. They He he wrote a whole book about it. It's called Fortunate Son. It's, I remember it's a book you, about um, that, like, how, like, they just got screwed by the record company. And, like, all these terrible things happened because they just sign a contract, man. When you sign these, like, weird contracts, some people can take advantage of you and things. You gotta be careful what you're signing. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. John Fog I love John Fogarty too. He's yeah. awesome. We were talking about CCR earlier this week. We were talking about how they write songs about rain. Have you ever seen No, that's terrible. Have you ever seen the rain? Uh, I don't I wanna know. I have to listen to the song to get in key. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's just crazy that something like that is still happening in the world today and people are like okay with it and like I don't know. But I have to give credit to Netflix on that one that based on just a relationship that he had with the company, he was able to just say, hey, this is what makes me uncomfortable. And Netflix pulled a show off of of the air that even like we were talking about that. We were talking. We were excited about it because we're like, hey, this is cool. Yeah. But Netflix was like, hey, no, I don't. They didn't even care what the viewers had to say. All they said was, hey, no, we're cool. We're, we're taking So on. something that I wonder is Chappelle Show. I don't know if Chappelle Show is still on HBO, but it uh, it was at one point. It was on there last week because I not. So if I remember correctly, the Chappelle Show was on there a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I remember seeing it and watching a couple episode episodes. 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 I remember calling. I remember watching a couple episodes. I remember call. <laughs> recalling. I remember recalling. <laughs> I recall. I recall. I recall, I recall viewing approximately two point seven two episodes of the Chappelle Show on the HBO Max network. While we're on the topic of uh, famous people, I was listening to the radio the other day, and uh, this person's been in the news 
quite a bit recently. And I don't know if you'd heard about it, but who do you think is the most, the most, the wealthiest country musician? Did I already ask you that? You did not. Okay, so who, who would you did... say is the most, the wealthiest country music artist? Jimmy Buffet. Are you a parrot head? <laughs> I the title of this I am such a hardcore parrot head. I am such a hardcore parrot head. You have no idea. No, uh, I don't know if I'd really classify class. I don't know if I'd really put him as a country music artist. But so Jimmy Buffett's your answer. That's that's your answer. Cheeseburgers in paradise. I... <laughs> Cheeseburgers in paradise. Cheeseburgers in paradise. Dude, I blew out my (laughs) flip flop and stepped on a pop top. (laughs) That's probably my favorite Jimmy Buffett line. It's the only good one. Margarita. I blew out my flip top and I stepped on my flip flop and I stepped on a pop top. Flip flop, pop top. Gonna make your body drop. Rain drop, drop top. I blew out my flip flop and stepped on a pop top. <laughs> oh, make the make those lyrics drop. Yeah. Anyways, uh, no. So, in all seriousness, who do you think it would be? Who's who's the richest? Uh, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, Dolly Parton. Oh yeah, I knew that. God, dude, of course, yeah, that I, knew a, that. That I knew that. I knew that. I knew. Of yeah. course, I knew that. Well, so Dolly Dolly Parton. I've been to Dolly Land, bro. Did you several been to Dolly times. Land? Really? Several times. Mom got married in Tennessee, like 10, 15 miles away from Dolly Land. Wow. Because or Dolly is it Dolly Parton Land or Dolly Land? I think it's Dolly Land. Oh yeah. So she got married in the in the Smoky Mountain. Probably, by the way, my dream home would be in the Smoky Mountains, by the way. We'll we'll move there one day. Um so Dolly Parton has been like super on top of it lately, and I'm pretty sure she's been like, even though she's been, I think she's donated like a hundred million dollars of her wealth, like a I believe substantial it. amount of money she, this lady has donated to charitable organizations, helping people out. She's been like on top of it, donating to these uh, companies that are working on COVID vaccines. She's been like really pushing for like a lot of really good things in the world. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to talk about that and rec- recognize Dolly Parton a little bit, a little bit, even though she already gets probably a lot of recognition. Working nine to five. That was bad. <clears throat> was that Working Dolly Parton? nine to five. Yeah. That's like her most famous song. What a way to make a living. My understanding, so Dolly Parton is mom's favorite singer. I, my, I remember growing up watching Best Little Whorehouse in Texas with freaking Burt Reynolds, man, and Dolly Parton because she loved that. And the soundtrack is freaking fire, bro. It is Muy Fuego. Okay. The soundtrack to Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is Muy Fuego. All right. However, uh, my understanding is Dolly Parton grew up in squalor. 
she was a very poor girl growing up, and she, yeah, thank goodness for her talent. And honestly, but she was a beautiful way, woman. She was a very talented. Yeah, musician, and through her actress. talent, through her talent, as well as an incredible amount of determination and hard work, also, because nobody becomes as rich as Dolly Parton without an incredible amount of determination and hard work. Right, but also think about all like she's not just an actress or not just a musician she's also a businesswoman a very yeah, successful exactly. a highly successful businesswoman out there that should be idolized by a lot more people i think i think that she doesn't like at least in my like in the things i see in like the the world i i experience i don't think dolly parton gets enough credit for like all the like amazing things that she's done and success that she's had you're, I think you're right. But either way, I mean, Dolly has been able to impact the world in a positive way, especially seeing that in the current political and the current economic state that we're in with this virus and with things going on. Um, and which, it's admirable that I'd imagine she doesn't advertise that too often, that no, she helps I don't, people. I don't and, think it's really advertised enough. Like, that this woman is doing so much for the world that... And not to say woman in like a derogatory way, just I don't know, you can cut that out. But the the fact that she's able to do so much She's a woman. You can call her a woman. Well yeah, but I I don't know if it sounds bad when you say like No. If this, this you know, if Keanu Reeves was doing the same thing, which man. he did, I'd be saying this man because Keanu Reeves, little known fact, he donated a lot of his money from the sequels of Matrix. Not only did he donate it to charity because his, uh, I believe, a family member had died of a, a debilitating uh, cancer. Yeah. But he also donated a lot of his own money, the, his own salary from Matrix 2, I think it was, to the visual effects artists. Because they were saying they weren't being paid enough. So he said, hey, I'll just pay them part of my money. It's no big deal. So you're absolutely right. Dolly Parton doesn't get heard of enough. She's probably donated, good lord, hundreds of yeah, I believe, hundreds of millions. Of I dollars. believe it, yeah. man. And and good on her, good on her. You know, really, that's that's incredibly admirable. Yeah, it is. Um, also, speaking of COVID, a little bit, did you see that the CDC is finalizing their recommendations to shorten the quarantine time? Really. They think their idea is it's not even it's the here's what's scary about it to me is it's not based off of anything in terms of like how long the virus takes to go away or anything like that. It the article I saw said the CDC was trying to shorten the time of quarantine because they think it'll help more people comply. With like a shorter time frame, so if you lowered it to a week rather than like two weeks that it's been at, then I think it'll it'll help more people more people comply with one week versus two. And my thought personally is that's a little bit scary because if we're not basing, and it might be based on I, I didn't read enough of it to really know, but if it's not based off of the fact of Hey, it actually, we figured out the virus is really only there for like a week. If you've been exposed, they're just recommending, hey, just like shorter quarantine. Don't do a two-week quarantine if you've been exposed, but. I'm not a big fan of Boris Johnson, 
the UK prime minister, like I'm not a big fan of his politics, but I'm a real big fan of his personal stuff because he's awesome. He just recommended like a complete revamp of the UK's COVID stuff. And it's the exact opposite of that. Really? Saying more, more, more separation, more, everyone tested almost daily. Um, they're, they're going to be targeting specific hot areas and doing like shut mandated shutdowns and stuff. I think that's something that we could learn from. I think that a testing needs to be more available. I don't know if I told you this, but my older brother was trying to get a test done. And last week on like Friday or something, dude, he couldn't get a test. He would go to places that like, a to get. To even make an appointment to get a test was like two weeks out. That's past the point of if you've even if you got it, you're pretty much in the clear after two weeks or whatever. Not to mention, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore after a week. <laughs> I guess it's yeah, a week now. After a week, he's fine. But not even to mention the fact that these walk up places, these places that you should be able to just walk up, get a test done, and leave and have your results relatively fast. They were running out of tests before he could even get up to the door. That's ridiculous. He'd be like, he said twice it happened. He was second in line. Hey, we're out of tests. You got to go. That's ridiculous. The fact that we're running out of tests, that we don't have enough tests to test the people that are getting, that are like, he was potentially exposed. This is somebody that potentially was exposed to the virus. This thing that we're trying to stop the spread of. Couldn't get a test to even tell if he if he had it. So he could be and and the thing is too, his work wouldn't let him off of work unless he had a test on. Well, I think because they had determined so they that he was exposed at work. So they determined the level of threat to whether or not he had he was potentially gonna have it. And I guess they saw it and they were like, Hey no, it's it's fine. Um, but he wanted to be cautious. So realistically, he was just trying to be a little, a little extra cautious and like check and say, Hey, like, even though I wasn't prolongedly exposed to this guy, even though it wasn't super close quarters, he still wanted to go and get a test done. So he was trying to be safe. But even then somebody who's trying to be safe versus like there's people out there that just get tested just to get tested too, which is a good thing. I think that's something we need to be doing is getting tested to get tested. So if we don't have enough to fulfill both of those, then we we need more tests. Yeah, we do. Well, another thing that Boris Johnson did was he ordered like I think almost two hundred million doses of the new vaccine. Yeah. So they're taking they're taking it really seriously, man. They really are. And well, if we... they've already ordered and one thing that you noted was why is somebody that was potentially exposed to the virus not able to access a test? And why does it take so long? Like is it a matter of money? Is it a matter of like there aren't enough people? Is it a matter of there's just not enough Well, you said there weren't enough tests. How I think how... they ran out of tests as well. Like, That's what he says. So, does that mean enough tests aren't being manufactured? Or, uh, excuse or me. Or are they not purchasing enough tests because yeah. they weren't expecting the spike? Like, the, it's just being misappropriated. Yeah. And I think, I think we're in an interesting place where we're in Kentucky, where up until now, 
we were one of the safest places in the United States for it. I think that's usually how it starts, too. Yeah, I mean... I know it sounds bad, but unless you're in California or New York, that's usually how it starts. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because we were in one of the safest places, and now we're hitting this point where it is dangerous. It's scary. Like, we're, we're not in the safest place anymore. And I feel like we had, what, eight months now to prepare and get ready for something like this to happen. We've had sooner than that. And I think we're seeing a repeat. I mean... Granted, I don't. I don't think we're hitting as hard as we did in March when everything was shut down. But we are seeing bars and restaurants are closed now for indoor dining, which is something that that's a bummer. Even right across the river, we're right next to Indiana. In Indiana, they're still open to like seventy five percent capacity. Man, if you go over to Indiana, you can still go to a bar and pretend like nothing's even going on. So um, I'm curious to see how Indiana is going to fare in two weeks or a month, though. It because if it's getting bad, it se- the pattern seems to be when it starts to get bad, stuff starts to shut down. But then it's star- it either if it starts to get worse, then it's going to get bad. But if it starts to get a little better, then it probably won't get worse. But knowing Kentucky, and it's getting colder, and dude, we've had we've had you brought it up last time, I believe we've had an incredible uh, ex- exponential growth in cases yeah it's it's crazy and it's concerning and it's just gonna get worse worse with the holiday with uh with it getting cold out people are gonna be inside more more indoor activities lead to more people in close quarters with each other um i don't know there's just no telling what's gonna happen here in the next next few weeks so yeah we'll see we'll wrap it up here we are again, all you wonderful people, and mostly sympathetic family members that probably haven't made it this far. <laughs> We've reached another conclusion to another episode of Mind Your P's and Q's. This has been Quentin, your guest host, host, and Parker. Hey guys, thanks again for joining us today. And tune in next week, possibly, or four, seven weeks from now, for another episode where we're going to have uh, Scarlett Johansson on, and she's going to talk to us about her plans to escape to Mars. And Robert Pattinson will also actually be co-starring, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about what it's like to be Batman. So, Thanks again, folks. Please stay safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Love you all. Peace. Peace. That was good. Yeah.